All right. Joe, where do you want to go from here? I would love to know, know like, what are you going to cover in this session? Talk to us about, help us, help us see the future over this next session. And by the way, everyone, after this session, um, well, I better check the new, the new thing. But we are going to have a lunch for everyone uh, where you can take a lunch break before we come back. But Taylor, what, um, yeah, talk future cast for us. Let us see what's happening next. Amazing. By the way, I do love the takeaways. Sorry. When I walked into the office, I tripped over the light and then I cut the light off. And then my office was like, furniture was going everywhere. There was like a fire in the corner. Gabe's was yelling at me. So uh, I was, I was distracted. <laughs> so so, yeah. but I'm back. Yeah. I'm, I'm back now. Um, this session is going to be about um, you know, a lot of a lot of the talk that I see in financial education today is about cash minimums and emergency funds. And, you know, I'm not going to name names, but we all know uh, what the prevalent theory is. <clears throat> in <the world> finance. <laughs> so don't say it. But but I've, I've really reversed this around because when you understand inflation, how many of you remember the last session we talked about what's happening to your money 10 years from now, 15 years from now? I mean, when you understand inflation, you do not want like cash minimums you, you want cash maximums like yeah well let's I see the first I mean, guys, in the chat what do you guys want minimums or maximums would you rather have cash minimums or cash maximums <laughs> right Good. They, they don't even know what it means yet but you guys are just trusting me the trust means a lot yes i won't let you down i promise so well we got to really we got to talk a little bit about currency this is one of my favorite 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 topics mm. uh is talking about currencies because like we asked them too soon because people don't understand people don't understand currency chris robinette he doesn't actually like minimums he says he does but he likes when his clients get rich and you can't get rich if you're focused on minimums mm. there it is so he's just being silly here's the thing uh let's talk currency real fast are you guys awake energetic like do you have brain juice left because i'm just gonna talk to you for oh, a yeah. in fact i'm i'm not even gonna draw anything on my scratch pad right now i'm just gonna talk to you um can you currency pull that is down one so of, we can see your face taylor can you pull that down for a second so we can look at you yeah there we go how's this yeah good nice and big yeah like when when humans invented currency we invented one of the one of the most helpful things in the history like people think about inventions in terms of like the telephone the internet um the you know ability to create fire and like there's there's an endless list of things that we should be proud of as a species for coming up with but currency is like one of the best inventions ever um and nobody catches this really because we just take it for granted sometimes but when you when you study it as i have you realize what a fantastic advantage it is to be able to trade all right, so here's an example. Like, let me just take you back into the past. Like, let's go blast from the past. We're going to take a tour through history, and then we're going to come up for error in the current present day, and we're going to talk about cash maximums. Cool? Give me a thumbs up if it's good. Thumbs up. Yep. Okay. All right. So imagine that you were born like uh, before currency was invented. You know, like uh, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, even we had currencies, but imagine you were born before that. And your like current, write this down real fast. Like currency, the definition of currency is, is a mathematical equation that allows capital, uh, capital 
to be divisible and tradable. I'm going to say it again. Currency is a mathematical equation that allows capital to be divisible and tradable. Divisible and tradable. All right. That's going to be really important here in just a second. So uh, imagine that you are, uh, you're a shoemaker. You make shoes. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs shoes. Shoes are great. I have a lot of shoes. My wife makes fun of me because she thinks I have more shoes than her, which is not true at all. But my daughter now loves shoes. And so we are in big trouble because shoes are expensive. Imagine you're the shoemaker and it's good for you to have shoes that are expensive. And you live in a society where, you know, the relative value of a house is a thousand shoes, but there is no currency. So you have to trade a thousand shoes to buy a house. Make sense? Yep. Okay. Give us a yes. But there is no currency. You, you have to you have to trade the shoes directly. But here's the problem: nobody needs a thousand shoes. Who needs a thousand shoes? Nobody. Not I. So no builder is going to trade you a house for a thousand shoes. So what that means is you have to trade your shoes on the secondary market. So to do that, you have to find out what the builder wants. And then you have to go barter for all of the things that the builder wants. And you trade the shoes to a thousand individuals. You see what I'm, you see the mess. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is a problem. Like this is a massive problem. This was a problem for our ancestors. It's like, okay, how do we pay for stuff? Because you can't, shoes are not divisible. And so you can't necessarily like stack up chips and trade them. So here's, here's the second problem with not having currency. You're the, so you're the only shoemaker inside of your little town. And um, you figure out how to trade a thousand shoes and stuff. And you're on your, you're, you're working on it, but another shoemaker moves in and he starts making shoes and you're making shoes. And the value of shoes, because it's not a currency is based strictly on supply and demand. Nobody in the village needs shoes anymore because there are two shoemakers. Mm. So now instead of, a house being worth a thousand shoes, a house is now worth 5,000 shoes because your shoes are no longer worth a hundred dollars. They're worth $20. You with me? Mm -hmm. So now the arbitrage is multiplied because now you have to go find 5,000 people to barter with, to give the builder what they want. It's, it's a nightmare. So when we invented currencies, what we did is we basically stood in the gap and said, okay, we're done trading shoes and cows and stupid shit for goods and services. We're not going to do that anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to find something that can stand in the gap. Say, stand in the gap, post it in, stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. Let's see it. Let's stand see it. in the gap. There it is. There it is. Yep. We're going to find somebody. We're going to find something that can stand in the gap. And we will, as a society, agree mm -hmm. on the value of the thing that is standing in the gap. So rather than trading shoes, what we're going to do is we're going to make those shoes worth 20 beads. Okay. And those 20 beads carry an inherent value. And so we can sell those shoes for beads and the builder will accept the beads. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Or seashells or whatever. The first, the first recorded form of currency was a rye stone, R-A-I. And rye stones were these 
basically they're rocks with holes drilled in the middle. And they got so big because rhinestones, they are able to store, uh, they can store a agreed upon value. They are tradable, but rhinestones, here's the problem as a currency, they are not divisible. Remember, a currency is divisible and tradable. So rhinestones were, they were, they worked because they were tradable, but they were not divisible. And so we had these massive, massive stones. You can't chop them in half or chop them in tenths or chop them in thousandths. You can't do it. So we had the same problem where nobody could figure out how to trade enough rice stones or like, well, if you have a rice stone that, you know, one house is worth two houses is worth one rice stone. What do you do? Like you can't cut it in half. And so the, this is interesting. This isn't in my notes, but rice stones, you know, the way that we traded them was actually, let's say that, um, you know, uh, Tiffany wanted to buy something from me. Uh, and I wanted to take her rice stone. It was too big for her to give me the rice stone. So what I would do is I would send somebody to whatever geographic location her rice stone existed, and we would carve my name in the rice stone. And then you, you see these rice stones, they have hundreds of names that are chiseled into the stone. And the, the name at the very bottom was the last holder of that currency. It's pretty archaic, but this is like our first recorded currency. We were just doing the best that we knew how to do. So hopefully you're getting a sense when I'm like, currency was one of humankind's greatest invention. You're like, oh my God, yes, it was. Like imagine going to Starbucks and being like, well, I'm going to wait for three days so that I can send my person to the rice stone and you can have part of it, but you can't have all of it. I mean, like it's archaic. It would never work. And then there's, there were problems with, with currencies that were not invaluable or infallible. So people would fake them and there was fake currencies and we had beads and seashells and bartering and it was a disaster. And so we started getting serious about currencies around about the times that we like discovered metals. And uh, that was easy because you could take a piece of metal, chop it in half, like everybody agrees in the value. And then you have these little things called coins that were made out of metal. Okay. So some of you are like, yo, I didn't sign up for this, but I'm just giving it to you because this is like fascinating to me. When you understand where we came from, you understand where we're going. Ooh. So we had these coins. And gold coins and silver coins and copper coins and all these different types of coins. And here's what happened. The governments got greedy and they started um, they started manipulating the amount of coin uh, or, or the amount of metal that was in the coin. And so uh, when you look at like a copper coin, for instance, when it was started, let's say that it was 70% copper. And then before long, it's 50% copper. And before long, it's 20% copper. And then this, the people find out about it and shit goes crazy. You should study the fall of the Roman Empire. There, we're doing the same stuff that the Federal Reserve is doing right now. It's amazing. Don't be scared. We're going to talk about how to fix it. But metals were great because metals were a little bit harder to manufacture. And metals were, the supply was fixed. So if you look back at the last 100 years, the gold supply, anybody know what the gold supply average in terms of supply increase per year is for the last 100 years? It's okay if you don't, I'm going to tell you. We've had 2%. Bingo, it's around 